So the Republicans are now saying that they're going to get serious about uh, defending uh, President Trump. That they're going to start getting serious about the impeachment. You think so? You think maybe it's about time? Well, they haven't. They haven't. They don't know how to do it. That's the problem. There isn't. I'm telling you, there isn't one creative brain cell between the whole lot of them. They need an elevator pitch. They need to be able to go on TV and tell you what this is all about. And I will do that in just a few minutes. First, let me tell you what you're going to see on TV tonight. What you're going to see on TV all day long is quotes from this Ukrainian expert. His name is Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman. Now, um... He is speaking with Congress today in the impeachment inquiry, and he's going to speak out against Donald Trump. Now, the reason why this is a big deal is because he was actually on the phone call. He heard it himself. Now, when you when you hear that. You think, okay, well, maybe there's more to the phone call. No. He says we all know what happened on the phone call because we've all read the transcripts. Okay, so nothing new here to see, except he heard it firsthand. Now, in his his opening statement, I want to give you a couple of things. Since 2008, I've been a foreign area officer specializing in Eurasia, I've served in the United States embassies in Kiev, Ukraine, Moscow, Russia. In Washington, D.C., I was a political military affairs officer for Russia for the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, where I uh, authored the principal strategy for managing competition with Russia. I was also asked to serve on the National Security Council. The privilege of serving my country is not only rooted in my military service, but also in my personal history. Uh, and he goes into that and how he much how he wants to serve his country. And I'm not besmirching that. I'm sure he is uh, an honest guy. Um, before recounting my collection, uh, recollection of various events under the investigation, I want to clarify a few uh, issues. I am appearing today voluntarily. Oh, so he's he's going in and he's he's got a burden. He has a burden. He feels it's important and it is his duty to tell. Okay, I want to hear it. I want to hear it. <sighs> what he says are that, that are going to be pulled out uh, is, is that he was on the phone call. And he said the phone call was, was not good. The phone call itself. Trump called the elected president of the Ukraine elected in a landslide victory. President Zelensky was seen as a unifying figure within the country. He was the first candidate to win a majority in every region of the country, breaking the claims that Ukraine would be subject to perpetual divide between Ukrainian and Russian speaking populations. President Zelensky ran on a platform of unity, reform and anti-corruption, which resonated with the entire country. In support of U.S. policy objectives to support Ukrainian sovereignty, President Trump called President Zelensky, and I was one of the several staff officers who listened to the call. The call was positive, 
And the president expressed his desire to work with President Zelensky and extended an invitation to visit the White House. On May 21st, I was directed by Ambassador Bolton and Dr. Hill to join the delegation attending President Zelensky's inauguration. When the delegation returned, they provided a debriefing to President Trump and explained the positive assessment of President Zelensky and his team. I didn't participate in that briefing. On July 10th, 2019, Secretary of National Security Defense Council for Ukraine visited Washington, D.C. for a meeting with our national security advisor, John Bolton. The ambassadors Volker and Sunland were also in attendance, as was Rick Perry. The meeting proceeded well until the Ukrainians broached the subject of a meeting between the two presidents. The Ukrainians saw this meeting as critically important in order to solidify support for their most important international partner. The ambassador started to speak about Ukraine delivering specific investigations in order to secure the meeting with the president, at which such time the ambassador, Ambassador Bolton, cut the meeting short. Following this meeting, there was a scheduled debriefing during which the ambassador emphasized the importance that Ukraine deliver the investigations into the 2016 election, the Bidens and Burisma. I stated to the ambassador at at that time that the statements were inappropriate, that the request to investigate Biden and his son had nothing to do with national security. Now, this is really important. Let's remember this, that the investigation, he said it was inappropriate Because the request had nothing to do with national security and that such investigations were not something the NSC was going to get involved in or push. Dr. Hill then entered the room and asserted to the ambassador that his statements were inappropriate. I reported my concerns to the lead counsel. President Zelensky's party won parliamentary elections in a landslide victory. Uh, The call occurred with the president. I listened in in the situation room. I was concerned by the call. I didn't think it was proper to demand that a foreign country investigate a U.S. citizen. And I was worried about the implications for the U.S. government's support of Ukraine. Because I realized that if Ukraine pursued an investigation into the Bidens and Burisma... It would likely be interpreted as partisan play that would undoubtedly result in Ukraine losing the bipartisan support it has thus far maintained. This is what would undermine U.S. national security. He goes on. The United States and Ukraine are and must uh, remain strategic partners, working together to realize a shared vision of a stable, prosperous, and democratic Ukraine that is integrated into the Euro-Atlantic community. Our partnership is rooted in the idea that free citizens should be able to uh, exercise their democratic rights and choose their own destiny. Okay. So... He's a guy with long experience. He's a guy who believes that we should do foreign policy a certain way. And this is all very important, and you're going to understand why in the next couple of weeks. But he's a guy who is part of an old guard that sees the world and what the State Department is doing and what the federal government is doing all around the world in a certain way. And he doesn't like the fact that Donald Trump wanted to change that or to look into things before he continued the game now this is a country that just lost seven billion dollars of our aid and the president says i want you to look into corruption now he doesn't like the fact 
that he thinks it's wholly inappropriate for the United States government to tell people to investigate who to investigate and who not to investigate. That's great. If that charge was only made about Donald Trump, it doesn't work because if you want to make that charge against Donald Trump, you must make it about the State Department and uh, the uh, Hillary and Obama administration. Because when they were in, they told um, Ukraine exactly not only what to investigate, but how to investigate. They told them that they had to start a national bureau of uh, anti-corruption. That bureau, by the way, the guy that we wanted them to appoint, we helped them put this whole thing together. That guy uh, was charged with interference in our elections, not by us, but by the Ukrainians. He was in charge of anti-corruption. We had them build it to our specifications. Then we told them what they could and couldn't investigate. We told them that their head prosecutor had to be fired because we didn't like them. So wait, you suddenly have a problem with the president of the United States inserting himself? And you'll notice what his problem is. His problem is, is that it would lose the bipartisan support of Congress. That it would be viewed as an attack on the Democrats. Well, what about all of the charges that this is what the Democrats were doing to the Republicans? Do we just disregard that? The president wants to know what happened in 2016 and 2014. The only way to fix that is to know what happened in the past so we could fix it so it doesn't happen in 2020. And then he says they have to be able to pursue an investigation the way they want to pursue investigations. Then why did Joe Biden brag about firing the chief prosecutor? Well, why? If you really believe that they should be able to call their shots, then you should have a problem with what Joe Biden did. But you don't because you say there was corruption. If you listen to the phone call that you were on, sir, the president is saying there is corruption. And he would like it to be dealt with. Now, you in the last administration told them exactly what to do. President Trump just said, I'm not sending you guys any more money until you look into these things. Because, by the way, you lost seven billion dollars of our money. So all of the things that he says, oh, and and let me just show you some evidence. Here is uh, the audio. I did a podcast with a guy who was working for the two prosecutor generals, Shokin and Lusenko. The two prosecutors, one that was fired, the good guy that replaced him, he worked for both of them. Listen to what he said about how the United States under Obama and uh, Hillary Clinton treated the Ukrainians. Does it sound like, hang on just a second, that our partnership was rooted in the idea that free citizens should be able to exercise their democratic rights and choose their own destiny? Listen to this. So let me go back to the United States and let's start taking this timeline a little bit. Um, 
How hands-on was the Obama administration in Ukraine? I was fully, after Maidan, and I was also active participant of Maidan, I was one of the leaders of the outer Maidan and coordinated all the international work with the uh, State Department and other embassies in Ukraine during that period. After Maidan, after mm-hmm. the revolution, there was a hard-on uh, coordination from Washington, from the White House, from Biden exactly, coming to Ukraine every time and telling everybody what to do in a matter which was inappropriate for a foreign country to intervene into internal politics of another foreign sovereign country. And when you say he was telling people what to do, what do you mean he was telling people what to do? Oh, you should you should guys put this guy in prison. You should not touch that guy. You should do whatever we tell you because we know what to do better. You guys are corrupt and we will handle it from here now. We will give you money. If you don't do this, we will not give you money. So okay, stop for a second. A Isn't that prid, uh, quid pro quo? If you do these things, we'll give you money. If you don't do these things, we won't give you money. See, this is the problem with the impeachment. If the Republicans knew what the hell to do and knew their ass from an elbow, you can take this apart completely. And I'm going to break it down even further and give you the elevator pitch in a minute. All right. So here's the elevator pitch. (laughs) When you talk about this uh, with your friends or, you know, if you happen to be in Congress and you want people to understand what's going on, here's what you have to say. Um, The State Department, our State Department, was seemingly not interested in what happened to seven billion dollars of your money. They were not going after corruption. In fact, they were doing everything they could seemingly to thwart uh, anyone looking into this corruption, um, not giving 400 million until they tell us exactly what's going on and they're going to do an investigation in all of this. Is that unreasonable? Well, it was about the uh, election and Joe Biden. OK, all right. Is is it in our national interest to find out if Russia was working with Donald Trump? Of course. Okay, is it in our national interest to find out if Ukraine was working with Hillary Clinton and the DNC? Because we can't ensure the 2020 election if we don't know what happened in 2016 in Russia and the Ukraine and all all, all around the world. Now, we've spent millions to investigate Donald Trump. And quite honestly, I would have taken it if they found out he was colluding with Russia. I would have been for impeachment. Do you think it's actually worth some time to find out, especially with all of the evidence that we have? All of the people that are on record legally in court, two people were convicted of uh, trying to affect our election in 2016. Don't you think we should look into that? Because we just spent almost three years looking into what happened in Russia. Why do you not care about what happened in Ukraine? Well, I don't want them to interfere with an election. I, you're right. I don't. I don't want us to interfere and tell another country what to do. Exactly. I think we're on the same page because that's the way I feel when you hear that Joe Biden told them to fire that corrupt prosecutor. Well, that prosecutor was corrupt, was he? Because he had all kinds of information that he was trying to get to our DOJ to show that there was interference in our election. That, they, that, that there was theft of our money. He was trying to get that information to our DOJ. 
but our ambassador was blocking it, as was the State Department. Don't you think we should look into that? Well, we were trying to clear up all kinds of, uh, uh, you know, corruption there. We even set something up. Yes, we did. The, uh, the National Anti-Corruption Bureau in Ukraine. We told them how to do it. And by the way, that guy, the guy who headed that up, he went to jail. So don't you think that we should look into these things? Because there might be more to this story. There's your elevator pitch. There's your elevator pitch. Congress, get your butt out of your, get your head out of your butt and start using it. You're listening to Glenn. Welcome to the, uh, welcome to the program. Glad you're here. Just gave uh, the elevator pitch, which I think is very, very clear uh, that the, the Republicans need to start using, um, is it in the national interest to find out what happened to $7 billion in corruption scandals in another country? Is it in the nation's best interest to do that before we give them another $400 million? Yeah, and that's the fundamental question here. And that's the question that the only thing that Republicans should be talking about. And by the way, no. this is not a fallback position. This is this is fr- the overriding from, from the beginning. I thought the well, there's no quid pro quo was a dumb argument. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't make any sense. Like you can there's they're of course going to have they already have multiple people saying it was, uh, you know, you're, you can definitely take it that way on the call. But whatever, it doesn't matter. We know. And this I made this point at the beginning. We have Joe Biden on tape. In the middle of a quid pro quo, he says, I will not give you a billion dollars unless you fire this person. Because the most clear quid pro quo possible. He's bragging about it on stage because Obama, Hillary and Biden all thought that there was corruption Mm -hmm. in Ukraine. Exactly. They thought that was important. They thought that was important. Mm -hmm. So Donald Trump thinks there's corruption in Ukraine and says, we're not going to give you any of the money unless you look into this corruption and that's why that case needs to be made that way it needs to be made as to if it is a if you believe it is really important for u.s policy to investigate this thing and we've made the case i think well over the past month or so that it is in u.s interest to do this you have to make that case to the american people stop talking about whether they're 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 interviewing people in secret like, that is like a, a ninth string argument here. You have to make the case that this is within the American interest. And to this point, Glenn. Wait, wait. The second part mm-hmm. of national interest is the election. Yeah. The, the are- election. People mm-hmm. were convicted in court. Ukrainians were, in, were convicted for meddling in the U.S. elections to help uh, Hillary Clinton. One of them is on tape describing how he did it Mm -hmm. and collusion. Yes. Okay. So all of this, if it was important to find out in Russia, it is just as important to find out if it was in Ukraine. Right. I agree with that. So if there was a, let's just give me, let me give you a fake scenario here. Okay. Rudy Giuliani. He's out at a steakhouse in Slovenia. And because, uh, you know, this is what Rudy does. He's just rocking. He's rocking right, a, a right, porterhouse right, in Slovenia. Right. And he's sitting down there and he looks across the table and he sees Melania Trump mm-hmm. sitting with some Ukrainian dude. Yeah. And they don't know who it is. And he's and they're sitting a little too close. And maybe their hands touch in a, in a way that makes Rudy feel a little uneasy. Mm-hmm. So he goes back and he says, hey, 
uh, I saw Melania with some Ukrainian dude. I, I, we, you know, I just want to let you know. And Donald Trump calls up the Ukrainian president and he says, you know what? I think my wife might be cheating on me. Abuse I, of power. I will not give you that billion dollars if, unless you investigate him and put him in prison. Abusive, abusive power. <laughs> He should be impeached. We would all agree on this, right? right? Because it's not in the national interest for him to chase down an affair with his wife. Now, may I make one change to that? Yes. Rudy Giuliani um, is is hearing about this terror ring in Ukraine, mm-hmm. okay, full of terrorists. And one of the guys they're looking at happens to be the guy he sees in the booth next to Melania. Mm-hmm. Melania doesn't know this. She's just been, you know, swept off her feet by this new guy with yeah. better hair. Mm, is that possible? Not possible. Mm-hmm. So she's swept off her feet. She is. Now that enrages the president. And the president then calls and says, I want you to investigate this guy. And I want you to investigate this whole terror ring or I'm not giving you a dime. This is what's happening. Because the Democrats are saying, forget about the terror ring. Forget about that. He just did pro to a quid pro quo because he wanted to find out how this guy got to Milani and wants, he wants his wife back. Mm-hmm. No, that may also be a driving factor in his life. Yes. And it may be very important. But the guy that she's with is in a terrorist ring that we've been trying to figure out how the whole thing is involved and how it's all structured in Ukraine. Yes. So what you're saying is personal and national interests align in this case. In this case. Right. And that's what would be our case with Joe Biden and uh, all this corruption in Ukraine. Let me give you another example. Hang of this on just occurring. a second. I want to take that apart here a bit. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden says, you can't look into my son. He did nothing wrong. Well, yes, he did. Even the appearance, mm-hmm. the appearance of impropriety. is an ethics violation for a government employee. Exactly mm-hmm. right. So the appearance is there. So Joe Biden, you did do something wrong. But he says, my son did nothing wrong. Yada, 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 yada. All right. Um, now, firing that guy. Firing Shokin, the the prosecutor general, might be because Joe Biden and the Obamas believe he is not putting in jail the right people. And he's off on a harebrained scheme of Burisma has something to do with it. Well, Joe Biden's uh, uh, interests collide with our national interests. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't happen to believe calling someone off of Burisma, you know, in, in our scenario, it is, hey, there's corruption here. Oh, and it might also help me at the same time. Well, I want you to look at this corruption. This is, uh, well, my son works there, and I don't want you looking at that corruption. Mm-hmm. That, that's a difference. That's a difference. Our national interests would be... There's claims that they were were uh, losing one point eight million uh, billion dollars of ours. Burisma lost right. one point eight billion dollars. Our interest to find out what the hell happened. In Biden's case, it would be look. I want to find out what happened with that. 
I'm not doing it to protect my son. Right. But you know what? It happens to protect my son, and that's great. It aligns it aligns an interest, but I'm doing it for reason A. And the the media believes that with Biden, and they Correct. don't believe it with Trump. And that's the entire situation we're that's talking it. about here. That's it. Let me give you another example of this. Let's just say um, there was a, a, a president of the Democratic Party named Barack Obama. This is a theoretical point. Okay. okay? I just want you to see if you Could can put you your pick head. another name? Or, it, well, that's a strange name. It's just a strange name. Americans that would never oh my vote gosh. for a guy I like mean, that. If we've got the last name's one letter off of Osama bin Laden. Right. The middle name is Hussein. There's right. no way There's they'd no elect way. that guy. They're yeah. a racist country. Correct. So there, let's say this: the, the President Barack Obama um, believed that Russians were trying to infiltrate our election process with the person who was his secretary of state running against some other real estate guy. Let's just say this was happening. Mm -hmm. And let's just say they had a low level uh, campaign worker for the real estate guy that they think was the way the Russians were trying to get in contact with him. Let's just call him Carter Page. Just off the top. I was going to okay. come up with an example of another right, dumb well, name. Yeah, but they Carter already... Carter Page. But they had already investigated that guy. And, uh, they had and looked at him a long time ago. They said but he's, there's nothing to that. He seemed to be low level. But you know what? They decided to look into him a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Now, you could make the argument, and they did, that they believed this was going on, and the Russians were approaching Car- Carter Page, and that was a significant national interest. However, it's difficult to deny that getting an insight to your the opposing campaign also aligned with your personal interests. But again, the media believes Barack Obama is completely pure, and they believe Donald Trump is completely impure. And so when you see it through that prism, of course you want impeachment. So tomorrow night on uh, Blaze, uh, blazetv.com, also on my Facebook page, my YouTube page, I want you to watch part two of our special. Because what we've just told you is clear. It's very, very clear. Now... You have to have evidence to back that up. We've shown you the evidence on the blackboard, but we haven't talked about the case against Donald Trump. We haven't really explained what their case is. And once you look at their case and you see how without tying it to, oh, I don't know, a year, two, three, four, even five years uh, in the past, it doesn't work. You... You're introducing characters that are involved in something else here in Ukraine. And so you're just cherry picking a time Mm -hmm. and a point of view. And we can't be in the business of cherry picking times and point of views. We want to look for the truth. Mm -hmm. So we're going to show you that tonight. And we're going to show you how the media or sorry, tomorrow night and uh, the media, how they are. How they are spinning, not not even spinning, how they are lying to you. They are absolutely 100% guarantee lies. Now, that's quite a charge to make, but I can make them because we have the court documents. We have the testimony. We have all of the things that they've said is not true. We have them. And I'm going to take you through, I think, five of their biggest lies. And those five are the ones that make people say, oh, well, that's just a conspiracy theory. But once you understand how the media has lied to you, you'll know the truth. And I urge people from Congress to watch 
and learn. Because I don't know what your defense is. I don't know how you're doing this, but you are like a nursery school group. I thought most of you people were lawyers. God help us if I ever need a lawyer. I'm not going to any of you clowns. That's tomorrow. Make sure you join us. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. If you uh, sign up, uh, you'll get 10% off when you sign up for a year if you use the promo code Glenn. That's BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. Promo code Glenn. That happens tomorrow at 8 p.m. Eastern. That's 8 p.m. Eastern. Make sure you join us. Let me give you a story that uh, I think puts a very fine point on why Americans are so sick of all of this. Let me ask you if you've heard this story. A second aide to Senator Maggie Hassan, Democrat from New Hampshire, has been sentenced in a scheme to break into Hassan's office to obtain and publicly post the personal information of several Republican politicians amid the contentious confirmation hearings of Brett Kavanaugh. The 24-year-old aide, Samantha DeForest Davis, was sentenced to two two years of supervised probation with 200 hours of community service and a suspended sentence of 180 days in prison. She was told she needed to stay away from Hassan's office uh, and uh, current and former staff. Now, Davis was a staff assistant in Hassan's office from August 2017 until last December. She was fired after Capitol Police discovered her involvement in the so-called doxing effort. Prosecutors say that Davis helped a 27-year-old, also intern. His name was Jackson Costco, another former Hassan aide who pleaded guilty to five federal offenses, including two counts of making public restricted personal information, one count each of computer fraud, witness tampering, and obstruction of justice. Prosecutors say that Davis was persuaded by Costco to wipe down the Senate computers that he had hacked the morning after the break-in. That effort was unsuccessful because another employee was in the office early that morning. Costco was arrested later that day. Costco admitted to using Davis's keys to get into Hassan's office the day before, and prosecutors say Davis understood that Costco needed the keys to unlawfully enter the senator's office and access the Senate computers. He pleaded guilty. In June, he was sentenced to four years in prison in in the spring. He was required to turn over all cell phones. Among the targets was Mitch McConnell. Uh, Lindsey Graham, Mike Lee, Rand Paul, and Senator Orrin Hatch. Costco said uh, that he became angry about the senator's support for Kavanaugh despite sexual assault allegations leveled against the prospective high court justice. He intended to intimidate the senators and their families, according to court records. The time of his arrest, uh, a time of his arrest, Costco was working in the office of Sheila Jackson Lee. Now, where's the press follow-up on all of the stuff that happened to Kavanaugh? Where's the, the press follow-up on, on all of these things that have, have happened? 
where is the outrage that these people uh, were doing these kinds of things to smear and intimidate? I guess those stories are the same place where all the stories about the Democrats doing what they did in Ukraine during the 2016 election. They must be in the, the same press drawer that haven't seen the light of day. More in a minute. You're listening to Glenn Beck. 